0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. We're in the third part of a series called Grow. We've said over the last couple of weeks, first of all, that God wants us to grow. God's desire is for us to stretch to enlarge our capacity, to grow deeper in our faith. God wants us to grow, but then last week we said that God expects us to grow. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Remember we talked about grit and grace, right? Somebody say grit. Grit. Somebody say grace. Grit plus grace produces growth today. In fact, the next two Sundays, I wanna give you the growth essentials. These are the things that are essential for us as believers to grow, not only in our capacity to experience God, but in our capacity to express God. So I'm going to talk to you about nutrition and exercise, nutrition and exercise. We'll save exercise for next week. How many procrastinators do we have in the house? Yeah, some of you didn't raise your hand because you're procrastinating to raise your hand next week is going to be exercise i want to talk to you about nutrition today the title of the message today is simply this superfood for the soul superfood for the soul before we get into this have you discovered how difficult it is to eat healthy in the south i mean it's one thing to eat healthy but right here in south louisiana where we've got some of the best-tasting food on the planet. Can you say, oh, yeah? Yeah. Now, I've discovered that the the best-tasting foods are not always the best for us. You know, and so there's this battle that goes on almost daily, almost three times a day. You know, in the South, we love to deep-fry everything, don't we? How many of you love fried food? Now, fried food does not love me, but I love fried food. You can take a a, a vegetable, take broccoli and deep fry it, and it makes it better. Come on. (laughs) You know, we had to make some drastic changes in our family several years ago. Uh, Trevor had some health issues, and so it forced us to do some things differently, and not just for him but for our entire family. How many of you have had to make changes in your eating habits? Sometimes out of necessity. It's not out of a a want to, it's a have to. Can I have a good amen? And so I was introduced to this whole new world. A whole new world. A a glossary of terms that I had never heard before. I'm learning what grass-fed means. What cage free is. Uh, Non-GMO, come on, talk to me. Organic, all natural, farm to table. Are you familiar with these terms? (laughs) Unfortunately, some of us are. (laughs) You know, it, it forces us to think okay, what is it that we are putting into our bodies? And, you know, there are healthy alternatives that are all over the place. Now, have you noticed that there are healthy alternatives, uh, things like almond milk? Almond, who knew that you could get milk from an almond? Almond milk, um, Ezekiel bread. How many of you had Ezekiel bread? Oh, yeah. Monk fruit. Anybody ever heard of monk fruit? Somebody like, what is monk fruit? Is that, is, that is that grown at the monastery? Is that? <laughs> monk fruit is a sugar substitute. Um, I eat every day, almost every day, I eat a blueberry muffin that is made from vegetables. Okay, there's this brand called Veggies Made Great, and I think these blue—hey, they're awesome, too. It tastes fantastic, but it's made out of, like, carrots and zucchini and squash. It's just—it's crazy. You know who's having a great year? Cauliflower. I mean, who knew, right? Cauliflower. Cauliflower is on the rise. I'm just telling you, if you don't own stock in cauliflower, you might need to. It's replacing anything. And I think we ought to just take a moment to celebrate what, what, what's happening in cauliflower over the last couple of years. I mean, it had kind of resigned itself to the fact that, well, it is what it is. And, you know, I, I, just, I, I guess my best days are done. But who knew? I mean, who knew that it's replacing mashed potatoes? The cauliflower is replacing rice. Come on, red beans and cauliflower in Jesus' name. I mean, can you imagine the agent of cauliflower calling him up saying, hey, are you sitting down? You got to hear this. I have just signed an NIL deal with pizza. I mean, we got pizza crust. Who knew? And rice and mashed potatoes, they show a strong interest in our future. There's healthy alternatives to everything. And now we have this thing called superfoods. Somebody say superfoods. These are like the best of the best that are giving you all of the necessary health ingredients, the antioxidants. It's supposed to to produce a a super level of health in our bodies. And so I thought in that spirit, I want to talk to you about superfood, not just for the body, but for the soul. If we're going to talk about growth, we have to speak of health. Let me, let me say it this way. If you'll focus on health, God will take care of growth because healthy things grow. Can I have a good Amen. And so if your physical body is healthy, by design, it's going to grow. And the same is true for your spirit. And I want to give you, I think, one of the most important parts of a healthy diet for the believer. I think it's a daily consumption of God's word. Superfood for the soul. It starts with the very word of God. Turn with me, please, to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. And I want to read... The first eight verses out of this chapter to you, and then really focus on verse eight and teach out of verse eight. And to give you some context, this is a, a very interesting time in the history of Israel. After being slaves for 400 years in Egypt, God raised up Moses to deliver the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. And you know through, through one miracle after another, there were mighty works that God did through Moses to Pharaoh and really as a witness to all of Israel that he was bringing them out of where they were and going to bring them to where he wanted them to be. And so once they were delivered from Egypt, the Bible tells us for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. In that wilderness journey for 40 years, an entire generation of Israelites had to die before God would bring them into the promised land. And here we see one of the most important transitions in Israel's history. Moses is dead. Now, God is speaking to Joshua. See, Moses brought them out but Joshua was going to take them in. And and some of you, if you're in a transitional season of life, and I realize how vulnerable uncertainty can be. Some of you are making changes in your job situation. Some of you, maybe you sold a house or you're moving to a new part of the community. Maybe some of you, your kids are graduating from high school and they're taking a big step into college. Transitions happen all throughout life. And, and this is a great word for some of you that are walking through a series of changes. God begins to speak something to Joshua and to the people of Israel. And here's what he says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, notice what he says here in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, just as I promised to Moses. Ooh, that's a good verse. I'm not even going to preach out of that one, but I want you to consider this. God told Joshua, start stepping. I want you to take a step. Now, there may be some uncertainty. There may be a lot of unknowns in front of you. But if you'll just step every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I'm giving it to you. Don't be paralyzed with fear, Joshua. Don't try to retreat back to the days of Moses. Watch what he says here. Verse, skip to verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Come on, somebody. You need to hear this with your heart. God says, I'm not leaving. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I haven't left. Just because Moses is no longer, you may not have Moses, but Joshua, you still got me. Things are changing in your world, and you may not have some people, relationships, some stuff that you used to lean upon, but God's saying, I've never left your side. Start stepping. Move forward. Notice what he says here in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. God's saying, I make promises, and I keep my promises, So be strong and of a good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And finally, the key verse that I want to teach out of this morning is this. He says this, superfood for the soul. Check this out. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Come on, somebody say mouth. But you shall meditate. Somebody say meditate. You shall meditate on it both day and night so that you may be careful to do. Somebody say do. Do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Somebody say prosperous. Then you will have good success. Can you say good success? Can somebody say amen for the word of the Lord? Now, if we're talking about growth and we're talking about nutrition, verse 8, I think, is packed full of superfood ingredients. Notice what God told Joshua. As you step into this promised land, he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. If you're taking notes, write that down. Write down your mouth. Your mouth. You can't talk about food and not mention what you're putting in your mouth. Uh, My prayer for us as a church is that we would have an appetite for God's Word, that we would crave God's Word as much as we crave Caniac Combo from Cane's. Come on, talk to me. Is there anything greater on the planet than Cane's? How about that sauce? You know, I drove by Cane's just yesterday, rolled down my window, Stuck my head out the window. I just wanted to smell it. I knew I couldn't eat it. Oh, but I want to get close to it and smell it. I pray that God would give you an appetite for his word as much as he gives you an appetite for good food. And nobody likes good food better than crazy Cajuns in South Louisiana. Sometimes you've been watching TV and made a commercial comes on and it's like it shows this close up of a stack of blueberry pancakes. And syrup is being poured over those pancakes in slow motion. And you didn't know you were hungry until you saw that commercial. And you said, babe, we got to go to IHOP today. You see, some of us don't even know we're hungry for the things of God until we get into an environment like this. And then when you hear the teaching of God's Word, there's something, there's a craving in your soul that says, nothing will nourish or satisfy me like the Word. You see, nothing does what this book does. There are a lot of great books that are out there, but there's only one good book. The Bible, consider this, the Bible is a collection of 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a period of 1500 years and there's no there's no discrepancy there's no contradiction it's continuity from Genesis to Revelation let me tell you man did not necessarily write this book it was inspired by the Holy Spirit you know why I know that because man would have never written such bad things about himself we did some terrible stuff in this book can I have a good amen and you know the Holy Spirit inspired this book for us to be handed down over the years that we would know the heartbeat of God and the instructions for how we're supposed to live here on earth. I was reading through Matthew 17 this week and the, 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 the passage where Jesus was on the top of the mountain, Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, he brought Peter, James, and John to go with him. The Bible says while he was on this mountain, who appeared? Moses and Elijah, and here's Jesus having a conversation with Moses and Elijah, and the Bible says he began to radiate and shine. That's why it's called transfiguration. He was transfigured. Peter and and James and John are seeing this conversation. I think God wanted those disciples to see this moment because consider this. Moses represents the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's called the law. Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. All of the, think about it, the entire Old Testament was standing right there having a conversation with Jesus. Je, now consider this Jesus was predicted in the Old Testament, he, he was expressed in the New Testament, he was preached in the book of Acts, he was explained in the epistles, and in the book of Revelation, he's expected to return. So the disciples are seeing from Genesis to Revelation, the summary of God's word. And I want you to know, as believers, we can't grow unless we have a steady diet of this book. You know what's amazing to me is some of us have multiple copies of the word of God, We've got, uh, how many of you have over three or four of them? Man, we've got them in, on bookshelves, and man, we keep them in our vehicle. We've got one at work. And, you know, I saw a video recently of, of the underground church in China. Won't you consider this. Talk about a scarcity of God's word. Do you know that they, they meet three or four times a week? They have church in secret places, and they don't have any Bible whatsoever except for maybe the pastor and the pastor will write long passages of the New Testament just to give to his church members, and they will memorize these large passages of Scripture because they have no Bible of their own. And When Bibles are smuggled into China, I saw this video recently of a case of Bibles that made it into the underground church, and they're opening the case of Bibles, and it still has the wrap around them, and they're opening that shrink wrap, and... Oh, man, they're weeping, man, they're so grateful for the Word. They say that one Bible translates into five people coming to know Jesus Christ. For every one Bible that's given, five people are getting saved. Every day in China, 20,000 believers are coming to know Christ each and every day. Come on, somebody. Why? Because of the power that's in the Word. It's amazing to me, and yet I came across this statistic this week. The American Bible Society reported that only 9% of Americans read their Bible. Only 9%. We've got Bibles everywhere, but we don't make very good use of this superfood for our soul. You know, kind of in parallel to that... If you were to look up statistics on the average consumption of social media each day, the average American teenager spends eight hours and 39 minutes on social media every day. Now, I'm not bashing social media because I know that there are great tools and resources out there. But my fear is this. The diet that we're consuming in America, the the starchy, high cholesterol diet of social media that we're consuming in America is producing a famine in our souls. And God told Joshua, when you get into this promised land, don't forget the book. You see, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You know what we do? Guess what? This is how we feed our spirit. When we're reading the word of God, spending time in the Word, we are feeding our spirit by consuming our our, our, our scripture. Think about this. It's not only how we feed our spirit, but it's how we fight our battles. Think about how we feed our spirit. Jeremiah, I love the scripture that Jeremiah says. This is one of my favorite verses. Jeremiah says in, in chapter 15, verse 16, your words were found and I ate them. Oh, it just tasted so good. Come on, hum at me today. Mm-hmm. Man, it's like a good gumbo on a cold day. You, man, a good chicken and sausage gumbo. You eat that, you just, mm, you, you just oh, every taste bud on my tongue. It's just bringing nourishment to my soul. I, the Bible says this. Jeremiah says, when I found your words, I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. It's how we feed our spirits. When they were in the wilderness, they woke up every morning, and guess what God had provided? Manna. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. The scripture reminds us that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. Are you catching this today? Come on, are you into this? Can you inform your face that you're into this? It's not only how we feed our spirit, it's how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Jesus reminds us, when you're facing a mountain, what do you do? You speak to that mountain. Come on now, Mark 11, 22, have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, be removed. What do we do? We gotta speak to the mountain. Quit talking about your mountain. Start speaking to your mountain. You say, Mike, well, what do I say to the mountain? You got to speak the word. Let me tell you, authority is never released in silence. You're going to have to open your mouth. You're going to have to say something to that mountain in front of you. You're going to have to say what God says. Remember when Jesus was was being tempted by, by the devil in the wilderness and the enemy came against him? How did Jesus defend himself? with the word of God. He said, devil, it is written. You see, not only do we nourish and feed our spirits, but we fight our battles with our mouth. Oh, we've got to speak the word over our situation. We got to speak the word over our children. Come on, somebody. Man, listen, I bring my son to school every day, and you know what I'm doing? Under my breath, I'm praying for him. Oh, and I'm praying the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, shoes of the gospel, of peace, a helmet of salvation, full armor of God from head to toe in Jesus' name. Lord, let him be a light on this campus. Let him be a leader and not a follower. God, I pray that he would always do what's right, even if no one's watching. And Lord, let him be strong in temptation. God, I can't eliminate temptation, but I pray that you make him strong in it. Psalm 144, verse 1, the Bible says, bless the Lord who is my rock. He gives me strength for battle and skill for war. And you're going to dress your kids, get them ready for school? Dress them in the Word of God. And you speak the Word. That's how you fight your battles. But let me say this. The most effective weapon that the enemy will use against us is our ignorance of God's Word. You can't declare a word that you don't know. You can't fight with a weapon that you don't even know is available to you. Come on, can somebody say amen? Amen. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Somebody say your mouth. But, verse 8, but you shall meditate on it both day and night. Number two, say your mind. Not only, again, superfood for the soul. We're talking about the power of God's word. Not only do we need to consume it, not only do we need to speak it, but the Bible says we need to meditate on it. Meditate. You say, Mike, it's kind of getting spooky up in here. What do you mean, meditation? Can I tell you, to meditate is a very biblical concept. In fact, as as I was studying and reading this, I thought probably a good companion word to meditate is the word marinate. See, this is all food-related today. You see where we're going? To marinate. How many of you, you love a good steak it's wrong for the pastor to be preaching like this in church. Some of you are getting hungry right now. You love a good steak from Roos Chris. Anybody love a good Roos Chris steak? Man, I love me some Roos Chris. Yes, I do. You ever want to bless your pastor? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> but a good steak, they'll marinate that steak for days. You know, there's something about a marinated steak. You know what a marinate does? Not only does it flavor the steak, but it tenderizes it. There's something about the word. When you, met, you let that word marinate, you say, Pastor, I, I don't know how to meditate. I've never been taught how to meditate. Oh, yes, you do. You know how to meditate. Any of you know how to worry? Oh, don't look at me all religious like that. How many of you know how to worry? Oh, yes, you do. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. You see, when you meditate on the Word, it's about changing the focus. I mean, you're not putting your your, your mind on things that might happen. You're putting your mind on what God has already promised and what he has done. (laughs) Whatever you meditate on, you magnify, and anything you magnify, it gets bigger. So if you meditate on a problem, you know what you're doing, you're going to enlarge the size of that problem. Your fear, your anxiety, your worry is going to grow. But if you meditate, if you change the object of your focus and you put it on God's word to to let it marinate in your mind. In fact, one of the words is mutter or mumble. You just speak in the word. Maybe you've not memorized scripture. This is a good time to to start incorporating some disciplines, some practices that will help get God's word in you. We'll never walk in victory if we're feeding our flesh and starving our spirits. I mean, it's about feeding and fighting, but it's about meditating and marinating on God's word. I love Isaiah 26.3. The scripture reminds us, God, you will keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed upon you because we trust in you. God, you're going to keep us in peace. Somebody say, peace. The world wants you to live in pieces. But God says, I'm going to keep you in perfect peace. Now, how will we walk in perfect peace? We got to keep our mind. Come on, somebody. We got to focus on, Lord, what is it that you say about this situation? God, what do you have to say about this thing at work, about this thing in my marriage, about this thing in my relationship, my friendship, my career, uh, my children? God, what are you saying? Can I tell you, God has a lot to say. But the problem is when you listen to wrong voices, you're going to make wrong choices. But if you get this book in front of you, and the Bible says you meditate on it both day and night. That means in the morning when you wake up, I think the first thing that ought to fill your mind is is this word right here. And the last thing when you go to sleep, when you lay your head on your pillow, you ought to reflect on your day and thank God for the grace that he's placed on you and on your family. Both Day and night, because guess what? We need Jesus in the morning, and we need Jesus at night. Man, he's the bookends of every day. You shall meditate on it both day and night. Look at what Proverbs 18:20 verse says. It says this: A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips, he shall be filled. You know what? Satisfaction comes from this word that's on our lips. And it's in our minds we're speaking his word. We're clinging to his word. We're trusting his word. Even when circumstances say otherwise, God, I'm trusting in this book right here. Bible says this, don't let it depart from your mouth, but meditate on it both day and night. Look at verse 8, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Somebody say your mouth, say your mind, say your movement. You see, this is where obedience comes into play. This is where we put into practice what God has instructed of us. The truth is this. When we know better, we do better. And I think this, the more word you know, the better you ought to do. In fact, we, maybe we're educated way beyond our level of obedience. But if we know better... We ought to serve better. We ought to love better. Because, see, knowledge is not that about puffing us up. Knowledge is about building up the word and the kingdom of God in others. See, the Bible is not just good advice. It's marching orders. It's not the ten suggestions. They're the ten commandments. It's not, hey, a book of great ideas, it's the book of the Great Commission. Super important, super important. Some of you have been, you've been to Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. How many of you have been there, maybe visited, taken a trip to our nation's capital? At Arlington Cemetery, there's what's called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. That tomb represents every soldier that has ever died in battle. For our country. And that tomb is guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when there's a shift change, I thought this was interesting. When there's a, a new guard that comes in at the tomb of the unknown soldier, as one soldier is leaving and the next soldier is entering, there is a charge that is given. And the soldier that's leaving is instructed the soldier that's coming. And he says this, orders remain unchanged. And there's a changing of the guard. And he knows his assignment. He knows his responsibility. 24-7, orders remain unchanged. You know what? God has given us some orders. He's given us some instruction. He's saying, hey, you got some challenges in your relationships? Orders remain unchanged. You got some issues in your finances? God says, I got something to say about it. Orders remain unchanged. Uh, there's something going on in your marriage, or in your future, your, your family. Whatever it is, God says, I, I've got some commentary on that. And I am the Lord who changes not. Orders remain unchanged. See, if you were to come to me and say, Pastor, I've got a major problem in my life. And you would explain your problem, your situation. I would sit down with you. I would listen to you. And then I would take this book and I'd say, let's let's see what God has to say about your situation. And then I would pray for you that the Holy Spirit would give you the power and strength to do what God has said in this book. You were to come to me and say, I've got a problem in my marriage. I would do the same thing. I would listen to you. And then I would go to this book. And I would say, what does God say about your situation? And then we would pray together and believe the Holy Spirit would give you the strength to follow the orders that remain unchanged. If a pastor and a group of deacons were to come to me and say, well, we've got some problems in our church, I would listen. I would take this book. What does the word have to say about your situation? We would pray and trust the Holy Spirit would give them the power to do what he said in this book. If the White House were to call me up, if Congress were to say to me, we got some major problems on Capitol Hill, I wouldn't change the book. I would go to the book and say, what is God's revelation on your situation come on we got too many pastors trying to change books today you see as believers these are our marching orders this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate therein both day and night to observe to do according to all that is written therein then you will make your way prosperous anybody want to be prosperous this year Oh, pastor's preaching the prosperity gospel be careful i didn't say that i'm reading you the book then he says, I will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Can I have a good amen? You receive that today. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.